you know, I, I think to be happy in life, people have to pursue what they're passionate about. Something that you enjoy doing. Sometimes you're also in the news for other things, right? Like one thing I remember is you in pajamas with a chicken. Like, I, I, I actually don't even know the context of that one. That, that was what started it all. Focus on yourself. And as selfish as that sounds, hear me out. Awesome, welcome back to In Full Effect Podcast. Today, we're in the center of D1 in a park, so sorry for the noise if that's around. This is episode 14, and today we have Brendan Hurley with us. He is from the US, and he runs a YouTube channel here in Vietnam, but also teaches English to the little children. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure so good to, be to here. finally lock this in. Yes. Super excited. So, as I say on my videos, you know, kek bang, but I know we're doing this in English, so yeah. what's going on, everyone? My name's Hurley. I come from the U.S. Lived in Vietnam for close to eight years now, and uh, I am an English teacher, MC, uh, YouTube content creator, as well as TV personality, and even managed to get a cameo in a feature film, so trying hey. to stack the resume while I'm here. Still haven't watched that, though. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So one of the reasons I want to get you on, of course, is like we've been talking for a while. We're trying to work together on a few projects as well. Uh, we're both like gear nerds here and mm -hmm. there. So we've just been chatting about gear and all. And I'm just very like curious to what your transition was and the reason behind all of it coming here from because you came straight from the U.S. or did you travel? Yes, straight from the U.S. There's a little traveling involved. But so for a lot of people in the U.S., I think it's around 46 percent don't have a passport. You know, and I was one of those people until 26 years old. I'd never left the country before. And the idea came up to come teach English abroad. You know, at that point, didn't know where. And uh, Vietnam seemed to be the best option. So found a TESOL program to teach us in Cambodia. And then from there, went around to Thailand for a month, uh, Malaysia for a week, and then settled in Vietnam and been here ever since. That's awesome. It's a good journey. And then uh, you also got married here? Got married as well. After about a year and a half, uh, I met my wife and dated for two years. Asked her to marry me when we were in Taiwan. And then we just celebrated four years of marriage. Congratulations. Thank you. That's very exciting. And now, of course, you have a YouTube channel where you do both Vietnamese and English for the last three years. Mm -hmm. uh, how's that been going? Uh, so far, so good. I, I really can't complain. Uh, we were talking about CPM and audience before, but it's kind of selfish to complain about where my money's coming from and where the audience is because I'm just thankful I have an audience. People that enjoy watching what I do. And if there's enough of them, it won't matter what the CPM is or where everything comes. I just feel great knowing that I create content that there's a large group of people in the world that enjoy the content. What I keep seeing in other channels is like, once you start chasing the money, it, it doesn't go as it should, mm -hmm. and then actually you lose. Yeah. So it's actually following the passion, following what you love to do, else you burn out anyway. Exactly. I mean, you know, even in my best months, I can't match what I make at my other job. So, you know, what's the point in chasing the money? The money will come eventually, but mm. it's more that I love making videos. I love creating content. And I love the reaction from fans when they see something and they get to the climax and it's a, a joke that was built up the whole video or they learn something valuable or they saw a new place. Like that means a lot to me to hear the appreciation in the comment section. Yeah, 
when did you decide to start doing this? So uh, in 2018, my wife and I were celebrating our first anniversary of being engaged. Sounds kind of weird, but the opportunity came to visit a friend in Korea, hopefully see some snow. And that was exactly one year after we got engaged in Taiwan. So uh, we went to Korea. And while we're up there, you know, my uh, friend there, he watches a lot of travel vlogs. And it's mostly the walking and talking travel vlogs that you see. He says, look, I like these because they are interesting. They're in interesting places. The problem is most of the creators, not all, but most of the creators are really boring. They're not actually somebody that I would watch on TV, but they just managed to be in an interesting place. Mm. He said, but if you did it, you have a very unique personality, unique sense of humor. You would garner an audience from what you do. Plus, you speak Vietnamese, you have a knowledge of Vietnam, just go for it. And he actually gifted me his older MacBook Pro oh, to start editing. So as soon as I came back from Korea, the end of 2018, I set up the Facebook page, set up the YouTube channel, the uh, changed the name on Instagram, everything, and just hit the ground running. Dang. And then uh, did you have a plan going into it or was it just like, okay, let's just do something and we'll see what happens? There, there were a few different avenues and I didn't want to leave any of them open. I wanted to pursue all of them at the same time. So you can see in the beginning there was a, a rotation of videos. The first one was eating crazy foods. I can eat just about anything and I like to test myself and eat those things. For example, last week I was in the Mekong Delta. I tried to eat snake. They wouldn't let me make a video eating the snake. So I ate mouse instead. Made a video eating mouse. It was a good experience. How does that taste? Like chicken. Say, it's yeah, like white, a, a tiny meat. little chicken. Yeah. So on that note, uh, I would eat coconut worms and you know drink fermented shrimp paste and things like that. But I also wanted to put my Vietnamese to the test. At that point, I didn't think it was that good. People told me it was good, but it, I didn't think it was that good. So I would go around and talk to Vietnamese people on camera. No script, just start conversations. And people seemed to like it. And also my travel vlogs, as well as a little bit of motor vlogging through the city as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you have a very big variety of things going on. Uh, like one of your series is uh, what the fa or yeah, fa real, uh, fa real. Okay, yes, almost. <laughs> yes, I actually uh, talking to what the fa the other YouTube channel today, uh, so quite ironic. But uh, yes, fa real, and it's about uh, delicious fa in the city. But you know, I, I try to be um, humble about it and know that not everybody just wants to see me sitting in front of camera talking about the same dish episode after episode. So similar to a podcast, I will invite an influencer on the, uh, the episode with me to discuss the pho, discuss them, and discuss you know life in general. So I've managed to make 10 or 11 episodes with a few more that haven't been edited yet. And uh, that actually got me featured in the paper here in Vietnam. And they invited me as a special guest at the National Day of Pho uh, this last year. So that was a, quite an honor. That's cool. And then, like, it's funny because you sometimes you're also in the news for other things, right? Like, one thing I remember is you in pajamas with a chicken. Like, I, I actually don't even know the context of that one. That, that was what started it all. So, to give you the, the analytics backstory, within four months, I had 900 subscribers on the channel, which to me was going at a good pace because my last channel only reached 700. So, I said, mm-hmm. all right, got a new goal already. But then... This chicken video came about. The guy I mentioned from Korea, uh, he came back to Vietnam because he started Vietnam with me. 
and we were discussing ideas. And he said, we need to do something so over the top that people can't turn away, that they're going to have to know who you are. Some will like it, some won't. And we were discussing like, it was going to be about how much you can buy with the money in Vietnam. That was the initial idea. Then it was going to be a tour of the city in Saigon. And it turned into, how about you just are a foreigner who speaks Vietnamese, who wants to fit into the culture, but you do everything wrong. So you buy a traditional outfit, but you don't realize it's a woman's traditional outfit. You wear it right in the market and all around the city. You buy a traditional pet and you get uh, something other than a dog because they steal dogs and you get a chicken and you think it's a cockfighting chicken, but actually it's just a hen. <laughs> so get a hen, challenge people to cockfights. They have actual cockfighting chickens. And then I, I just run around the city and the whole story builds up that I got this chicken because if I get a dog, it's going to get stolen. In the end, the chicken gets stolen and eaten just like the dog would have. And that's the conclusion of the story. <laughs> so just like you mentioned with the news, it was, um, it was very shocking to watch the national news in Vietnam and have an actual you know, formal reporter saying on the news, Brandon Hurley, la I. Who is Brandon Hurley? Who is this foreigner in the pajamas walking around Saigon? And they're putting this on the news stations. And I, I said right there, I said, wow, I think I did it. All right. And the next day, I get calls from all the different news companies and different YouTube channels to collaborate. Uh, one guy even gave me his car to drive around the city in a collaboration. I said, he said, just wear the pajamas, drive the car, we'll talk, and it's good. I'm like, okay. okay. So everything opened up, and within one month, I went up to 50,000 subscribers. And by the end of the year, I had 100,000 subscribers. Dang. And what do you know now? 440-something nice. thousand. Yeah, so it's, it's been a good growth. Exciting. It's the, the stretch to the 1 million. Yes. Slowly but surely, guys, we're going to get there. That's so cool. The goal of the podcast is I want to see what your goals are. And, and we can talk about anything, basically, <laughs> not just a YouTube channel, but more about yourself as well. Okay. Um, so right now, what are your, your goals, your personal goals? Okay, so, you know, I, I think to be happy in life, people have to pursue what they're passionate about, mm. something that you enjoy doing. You know, if you uh, do what you love and you won't work a day again in your life, while that is kind of true and kind of not true because if you do it too much, it will become work, but I wanted to find something that I enjoy doing. And I've always liked making videos that make people laugh. I used to do prank videos in America, and they were lower scale, but at least in my area, people knew them. I would have showings at the local bar. People laugh at them, right? I, I decided after being in Vietnam for a while, you know, if I'm going to do something for the rest of my life, that's something I want to pursue, okay? So doing the YouTube channel has helped me to accomplish that. Not only making the videos, but I've also enrolled in different filmmaking courses. Mm -hmm. And we had the time in lockdown last year. So I completed one of them, working on the other ones. And I've learned so much about filmmaking that I've decided... My future is a career in filmmaking, not yeah. just on YouTube, but on the production side as well. Cool. Making videos for companies and restaurants and real estate and maybe weddings. And I just enjoy talking about gear, buying new gear, making videos and making content that people enjoy. You know, so that's one goal. And the other goal for the YouTube channel is, of course, one million. And then after that, many million. And uh, <laughs> if I can even say many million. And uh, just keep growing. I, I just want, when people think of me and say, hey, do you know that guy Fukmop? Do you know that guy Hurley? 
Like, yeah, that's the guy in uh, Vietnam that makes people laugh, you know? He learned about the culture, he learned Vietnamese, he respects the culture, but he has a way to make Vietnamese laugh and enjoy his content yeah. while still learning English and learning Vietnamese. And it's very educational in the end of the day as well, I find. I believe so. So yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> so a uh, future in, in, in more content creation and filmmaking. Yes. That's awesome. And then what do you think your full potential is right now? And or like, how do you see full potential? You know, it's scary to think about, really, because they, they ask this question, you know, do you, would you rather be famous or would you rather be wealthy? And after becoming famous in Vietnam, I, I would rather be wealthy, you know? I, I would take the money over the fame. Fame's great, and I appreciate the fans. You know, I always, on the way here, I met two people in traffic. They hit me on the arm, they go, hey, Fulmop, hey, what's up? How'd you know it was me? I'm wearing a mask, you know? But uh, I love that, and I love taking pictures with people and making them happy, but in the end, you know, that only goes so far. And eventually it can get very dangerous. I've had people follow me for like over an hour while I'm like walking, making a video. Like, and I try to talk to them and then they walk away, but then they come back and they keep following me. Like, and in terms of family and everything else, it could get dangerous. So it's scary to think about like how far I want to take it. In that sense, I would say I want enough money, enough income from different sources to be financially secure do not worry about anything other than filming the next video and enjoying that process. Mm. So full potential, it's really hard to say because a couple weeks ago, Vin Pearl, they invited me to their uh, resort and their parks in Fuwok, mm. you know, full expenses paid trip just to come and make a basic vlog, not a professional video, basic vlog and share my experiences from the park. Um, recently, VTV, the TV network in Vietnam, they emailed me, said, we need a tour guide of Saigon. We're coming from Hanoi. Can you show our TV show around and show us interesting places? And I go, you guys know I'm a foreigner, right? And they said, yeah, you know, we want to ask. This is straight from the producer. She said, we thought it would be great to ask the most handsome man in Saigon, which is my moniker, you know, to lead us around Saigon for the TV show. And I think at that level where I've reached now, it's like, all right, it's not my full potential, but... It's getting up there to where I need to make the decision, how far do I want to take this? So what would be your full potential then? Starring in a movie, like being the movie star, you know? I've cameoed in a movie. The director messaged me personally to be in the movie. That's great. But if I, my Vietnamese was better and I starred in a feature film in Vietnam, I think that would be the full potential. Are there any other like foreigners that make it at that level? Yeah, there's a few. Um, I've managed to be a good networker throughout my life from high school to university. I can think of the networks that I've become a part of and the same thing in Vietnam. When I started YouTube, I started reaching out to different creators here and I can honestly say the majority, probably 90 to 95% of the major foreign creators in Vietnam, I'm friends with. And not only have worked with, but I would call them my friend to where I could call them if I needed help with something and they would help me. That's you know? awesome. That's actually a good uh, segue, like networking. I'm, I'm a big fan and a big like follower of networking. Did you like intentionally put so much effort into it to create the right networks, to network, to like see the value of it? Or was it something that came natural? I, I think so. Uh, in the beginning, I said, hey, collaborations will help your channel. They'll help my channel. You know, I have a recognizable face. You have your own feature on your channel. If we work together, we'll create something great. And one after another, I remember I commented on Vietnam Meets Dustin's video. We met shortly after. 
Uh, I commented on Afroviet TV, Nam's video, uh, Wave, some rappers video. Chris actually reached out to me uh, to be my editor, and then he ended up passing me on YouTube. Uh, Max was looking for some co-host. We met up. Yeah, I, I realized the potential of the network and how much it could help us in the beginning. Now, if we collaborate, it doesn't do much for subscribers because yeah. most people know who all of us are. Yeah. Uh, but in the beginning, I think it really helped us. Uh, Dustin and I, we created some videos, millions of views, millions of views in the beginning. And Nam and I, uh, for example, we ate uh, goat testicles together. That got you know over a million views. So we, we did some great work in the beginning, and now it's, as we say in Vietnamese, chavo with hoi, just for fun. You know, yeah. we'll collaborate because it's fun to work together because we're all co-workers of YouTube, but we've all, you know, gone our separate ways and we have our own path, our own journey. It's good though. Like you don't really see each other as competition, right? Like yeah. it, rather that you work together and collab to reach the top rather than push each other down to mm -hmm. climb on top of each other's shoulders. That's great. Um, so back to the full potential, what, what do you do on a daily basis actively to to reach a better potential. I, I'm a big fan of habits. Uh, during lockdown, I read all the habit books, you know, Power of Habit, Atomic Habits, Atomic Habit. Checklist Manifesto. Okay. You know, I put the time in, I read these books, and, you know, I'm not the best at time management still, but, man, they really opened my eyes on how you can structure your day and then make the most out of your day. So, um, actually, the first big book I read when I was in Borneo in 2020 and it's uh, from David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me, the Navy SEAL. And just seeing what he did and what it was he was capable of really opened my eyes. You know, I'm never going to run a 100-mile race like him. But, you know, it opened my eyes to what I am capable of doing. If I don't waste time on social media, if I actually say I'm going to do this, write it down, and I do it. And I came back from Borneo, and I established a sort of morning routine simply from you know his his book where i wake up in the morning wash my face brush my teeth and do a sort of a yoga routine i spent a couple of years doing yoga class here so i have i know enough to do what i'm comfortable with i do a yoga routine to prevent injury because you know history of injury everybody but uh, after that i go straight to work i start my coffee i sit down and i go straight to work on editing the next video or writing the script for the next video or going out to film right away. And that is the day. And basically have a lunch break, spend some time with the wife, back to work, teach at night, and then time with the wife at night. And keeping that routine, you know, it's it's enabled me to knock out a lot more because I do a lot for my YouTube channel. You know, uh, a lot of people will have someone that edits, someone that films, mm -hmm. someone that does everything for them, whereas me, I do everything minus the subtitles. You know, I, I've uh, rented out uh, my buddy as a, a camera operator a couple of times where I'm meant to be the star of the show and I can't be holding a camera. Uh, but other than that, you know, I'll go film an episode. I'll have two cameras set up like you do. I'll make sure I'll test the mics. I'll set up lights. I'll get everything going. I'll intermittently check the audio, wrap everything up, pack everything up, head back home, upload make proxies, start editing. And the only thing I don't do now is the subtitles. Yeah. Because I realized, you know, when you, I uh, read a four hour work week with Tim Ferriss and he talks about just tasks that are just sucking your time, that you can 
uh, hire someone to do for you. And I realized that was something I was able to do because Vietnamese English, co-worker of mine, he does all the subtitles, and then my wife puts them in the video. Yeah. So that saves me hours for every video. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point from Tim Ferriss. Uh, it's like from the moment where your time is better used somewhere else than doing it like itself, then it's better to hire someone doing it. Exactly. But yeah, cool. That's very interesting. So we already touched on, on uh, the money aspect. We touched on it, your fame over money. Mm -hmm. But what is your relationship with money? Like, how do you value money? I, <laughs> I, I always have a good story with this. Um, I, I shared this on a TV show last year. My old roommate, uh, a Jewish guy, uh, and that's not you know meant to start up like a joke, but I, he was one of the best people with money that I'd ever seen. Like he was so focused on money, he would work seven days a week, multiple jobs, and even after he got a lot of money, he still will go into people's recycling bins and take their cans, like the Vechai in Vietnam, and he still brings cans to the local recycling center for like an extra $20, $40 a week. If he sees a fridge in someone's trash, he will take that fridge and take it to the, for the, uh, the copper, I believe. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the copper. And even though now he's big into real estate, he has over seven houses that he rents out, owns over seven houses, my age in America. And uh, he's just always been so focused on earning enough money that he can stop working and retire. And we had the opposite view. Whereas I wanted to enjoy my younger years. I wanted to make sure I spent time with friends. I didn't work, I mean, I worked, but I didn't work seven days a week. And then coming over to Vietnam, you know, there are teachers who work every single day, multiple jobs and never travel. I said, no, this is a once in a lifetime experience where I get to live and work in another country I want to use this time to travel as much as I can. So when I travel, I travel cheap. You know, I'll stay in hostels. Uh, during this last trip to the Mekong, uh, the average price was about $8 a night for a room. I wouldn't do a hostel because I didn't want to lose my camera equipment, whatever. Uh, but $8 a night a room. Some of them were not the best rooms. But that's not the point for me to travel is to experience. You know, I don't spend a lot of money when I travel outside of traveling with my wife. And I look at money as, as long as I have enough, I'm happy. I don't need a lot of money to be happy. As long as I have enough, be happy. And to go back before uh, uh, we go to the next point, so I don't contradict myself, like I said before, YouTube, it's not about chasing the money, of course. And then at the same time, I said I would choose wealth over fame if given that option. Yeah. You know? So work hard, play hard. Yes. Yeah, I have a very similar mindset, like, because I read a lot, I follow a lot of, like, gurus, let's say, or people that, that entrepreneurs, let's, and they make their money like your friend did very early, but then I feel like you would, like, okay, they, if they find that more valuable to make that money and they're happy, cool, I can't work every single day full on and just do that so long, like I need to play hard as well. Of course, of course. And there, there's a balance, of course. You know, I have other friends who travel to over 50 countries and they just make enough money to travel and then they go. Uh, one guy, his home base was Vietnam and he would make, he would work at a random teaching center, make enough money and then go spend three months in India yeah. or go on a trip with me to Japan for two weeks or go to Laos with me for, you know, a week or two. Like. 
he would just make enough money to travel, also travel cheap, and then come back and make more. Whereas I'm in the middle, you know, I, I want to travel, I want those experiences, and I could do more than I do now, but I also, you know, want to invest, you know, money in the stock market, money in crypto, money in America, money in Vietnam. I try to spread everything out, not only have multiple incomes, but also have my money in multiple places. So if tomorrow crypto goes away, you know, I'm not broke. Yeah. You know, tomorrow if the stock market crashes, I'm not broke. We're all broke. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I want to have multiple options while at the same time play hard. Yeah, 100%. It's actually quite interesting because the previous speaker in the episode is not out yet. Ethan Moore is from, um, from Phoenix, a buddy of mine that I met in New Zealand. He talks on the episode that he used to live on $8,000 a year wow. in the U.S. Wow. Um, no, actually, not only in the U.S., around the world. Because then he would also work the summer in a lodge uh, close to Yellowstone, make $20,000 or whatever, and then tr only travel with for $8,000 or something for the rest of the year. And he kept doing that. He worked on yachts and everything. And he even like lived in a van, not even a van, like a, he converted his car into like a sleeping car, let's say. <laughs> and um, he just traveled the States for seven months in that car. For mm -hmm. that little. So uh, yeah, it's, I, mean, I have a lot of respect for people who, have, who are great with money and how to, how to use it properly. Yeah, it's, it's really what makes you happy and what you're comfortable with, you know? Some people need a safety net of $5,000. Some people need one of 20000 Some people don't need a safety net, you know? Yeah, It really comes down to what you're comfortable with. Exactly. Throughout your life, who has been a major influence on to, to who you are right now? I think the biggest one would be my dad. Um, and I say that because his personality and his sense of humor really matches mine. You know, I grew up with my dad. Like if YouTube was around when I was a small child and my dad was filming, he would have been the biggest prank star because he used to prank my neighbors continuously. I mean, uh, so my neighbor thought it'd be funny to uh, hide my dad's newspaper on top of like a, a tree branch, you know, something six, seven feet tall, you know? So my dad took his newspaper and he brought a construction ladder home and put it like 50 feet up in a tree like this, you know? Uh, my dad worked uh, construction, he worked next to a tennis court, and he collected all the tennis balls in the woods around there, and then he goes into my neighbor's uh, shrubbery and just throws, you know, 50, 100 tennis balls in there, <laughs> nice and hidden, and then one day the neighbor's going through doing gardening, and he's like, these kids. And then he's like, how many balls do they have? And he's like going through and didn't realize how many were in there. And, you know, my dad continuously did that, and I grew up watching and laughing at that. So to me, the idea of pranking or just telling jokes in general, it's just, you know, that's, that's my personality. That's who I am. And the way I look at it is if you're not my best friend, you know, not my wife, not my family, if I'm having a bad day, I don't want to share that with you. Why? Because I don't care about your bad day. And that sounds cold, but that's the truth. I don't want to meet someone and them go, oh, I'm having the worst day, this and this. If I tell you something like, hey, I got food poisoning in the Mekong, I want to make it like a joke. Like, hey, don't eat Boon Ryu at the floating market. <laughs> tell you what, buddy. You know, it, I don't want to leave a negative impression on people I don't know. And even people I do know, I try to keep my interactions positive. And I learned that from my dad. Yeah, that's great. So besides your dad, anyone? Uh, my mom. You know, she was the... 
she was the uh, detailed hard worker. Uh, she went through nursing school, you know, with me and my brother. She was LPN first and then finished up RN and now she has other qualifications. She won't want me saying her age on here, but she's close to 60 years old and uh, now she's still doing multiple nursing jobs and wow. she's worked in every aspect of nursing. So the hard working, you know, I would say I took from her. That's great. Yeah. And who would be like a big influence here in Vietnam? In Vietnam? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, let's see. It's kind of hard to say. I, I would have to think about that one a bit more. Um, you know, the buddy that helped me start the YouTube channel, I would say him. Uh, he kind of pushed me into doing this and gave me some of the, the creative ideas that helped start the channel. So yeah, uh, Eric, if you're watching, I have to say you. <laughs> That's awesome. And besides people, what are like events in your life or, or obstacles in your life that shaped the way you are? Oh, uh, a lot of injuries. You know, I've always been into sports. Uh, my mom used to be a chubby kid, and her goal was to not have chubby kids herself. So she made my brother and I play every single sport. We had a rec league in our city, and I played baseball for five years, basketball for two years, American football for two years, uh, soccer for two or five years. Every single sport I had to play, and then high school competitive weightlifting. Uh, Interclub, what did we call it? Interclub sports in university. And then in Vietnam, I've always been uh, active in boxing or jujitsu yeah. or billiards, but that's not a physical activity. So, point, point of that is, I was leading into saying throughout all of those sports, I've accrued a number of injuries, okay, especially with jujitsu and boxing. And I've done a lot of physical therapy because of those injuries. And what I've learned through those events is that. No matter how bad the injury was, I've always been able to come back. I've always been able to get past that and come out better, stronger, physically and mentally because of that injury. Uh, for example, I got a bulging disc in my neck from jiu-jitsu back in 2018 and to the point where I couldn't turn my head. Like I had to move my whole body to look left or right and teaching little kids that that's an issue. And uh, I started physical therapy immediately. I did 36 sessions. I mean, just one, and then the next week another one, and then two a week, and I did 36 sessions to fix this problem. And couldn't work out, you know? I, I could do, I guess, riding a, a stationary bike, but I couldn't do any workout, and through that experience, I learned, like, hey, as bad as this is, now, because of the rehab, I feel like my neck's stronger than it was before, you know? I, I managed to fix it and come back stronger. Bounce and, back, yeah. And now I stretch my neck every day, so yeah. I realize how important keeping your neck mobile is. Yeah, boxing and jiu-jitsu uh, can go wrong very quickly as well. Cool. Um, what does success mean to you? Success. Like we've been over a lot of things, like what do you value most? It, it's funny because a lot of these questions, they're going back to this TV show I did here called Nip Yeah, Puito. The problem with that TV show was I had to answer these questions in Vietnamese. So I'm very happy to answer them in English. But we had a whole episode on should you travel young or travel old? What does success mean to you? And uh, on that episode, I, I shared, you know, to me it's different for everyone. But I think what it comes down to is being happy with where you're at in your life and know that you're working towards something else. Okay? Because if you meet all your goals and you don't have any more goals, then you get bored, you get complacent, you know, what, what's left? 
You know, you should always have something left to work towards. So success to me is achieving the goals I have now and then immediately setting higher goals and working towards those goals. And you think it's an individual thing? Uh, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Because a lot of my friends uh, are doing well back in America, friends from high school, friends from university, and they have really nice cars. And even if I have enough money to buy a really nice car, it's probably the last thing I'm going to buy. I don't really care about nice cars. I, I have a truck, you know, I'll have even an SUV as long as I put my camera stuff in. I really don't care what I drive. So on that note, you know, it, it's very obvious that success is different for other people because uh, some people want a really fast car or a really big jacked up truck as their symbol of success. Mm -hmm. To me, don't, don't really care about that. Yeah. And how do other people connect into you for uh, success like family and friends? Is it just whatever you feel like or? I think it's, it's everything. Okay, so like if I was, we'll go to the, the stripper example. If I was proud of myself for being a stripper, okay, you know, I'm proud of it. I think I'm successful, but my parents obviously would not think I'm successful. Sorry to any strippers watching this. On that question, for me, yes, it's me being proud of where I'm at, while at the same time, my parents, family, and people that I actually care about being proud of where I'm at as well. I think so, that's a good yeah. marker of success. So you success. really value their opinion? For sure, yeah. for sure. You know, as much as my mom wants me to come back to America, she always brags to her friends. Oh, my son, you know, he has a successful YouTube channel in Vietnam. He gets on all the TV shows there. He's doing great. So, you know, she's proud of what I'm doing. And it's not by selling myself out. It's not by doing something deceitful and hurting other people. Yeah. So... I think if I'm proud of it and she's proud of it, that's a good thing. So going through all of that in your life and, and especially now, you're in the spotlight a lot, right? But there, there must be a lot of other people around you. And we mentioned with your, with your co-workers at YouTube, <laughs> let's say. Do you compare yourself a lot with them or even other people in your life? Yes and no. That's a good question because it has two sides. It's like... I, I'm someone who believes that you should compare yourself to yourself before. And as long as you're improving, that's really what matters, okay? But at the same time, it is helpful to look at what other people are doing, what's working for them, and what you can do to improve, okay? So for example, I just had dinner with uh, my buddies Chris and Max, and they're very successful on YouTube. And they started to take an approach of, putting up a thumbnail that isn't really a well-designed thumbnail as, you know, someone that knows YouTube would, you know, would call and say, no, that's really not a good thumbnail. It's literally just a screenshot from their video. No text, maybe a little color, but that's it. They started doing that and finding success. And I'm like, how does that work? I've focused so long on making everything perfect, you know, putting it on the third or in the center, making the text match and the color, you know, make sure the color contrast is good. And they found success by doing this. And if I didn't look at them and see what they were doing, then I would just keep doing what I'm doing. So um, it is helpful to look, but at the same time, you are your own person and you can't compare yourself to others. So rather than trying to become someone, you adopt the good the traits. Good, exactly. I mean, we, we were mentioning helpful books that a lot of people have read from uh, Tim Ferriss and Atomic Habits and you know, all of this where, you know, we mentioned these books, we take the good things from them that they've learned 
and then we try to apply it to our own lives to become our best self. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm a big, big advocate of that as well. Just learn from the best and just adopt it, but don't change who you are in the end of the day. While we're still talking about self-development uh, yeah, self -development and how to improve yourself, what are like tips you can give people for that, to improve themselves, to become a better person? That's a good question. Uh, I'm not a self-improvement guru, but I've found success in different aspects of my life. And uh, currently I'm reading the book from Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, the comic, uh, How to Fail at Everything and Still Win. And he talks about the important things being yourself. And when he means yourself, it means your physical fitness. And how he's found that when he's physically active and healthy, he gets the best results out of himself, as well as sleep. There's another book from Matthew Walker. I first heard him on the Joe Rogan podcast, and it was just mind-blowing. He just talks about how basically when we're awake, we're doing brain damage. We're putting damage on our brain. And getting enough sleep is what cleans out the gutters, cleans all that gunk out that we built up during the day. And if you miss sleep, well, that gunk doesn't get cleaned out properly. And if you keep missing sleep, well, then you set up long-term problems. And he takes two examples. Uh, I hope I say it right. Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, and they were famous for saying they don't need a lot of sleep to get their work done, and they get more work done. Well, guess what? Both of them ended up with degenerative brain diseases later in life. He's not saying that's the exact reason. He's saying, but it's quite likely if it's true what they said, because over time, we could cut down Alzheimer's, dementia, and brain uh, degenerative diseases if more people got better sleep. Okay, so for me, I see that as a very key component. And after reading that, I realize how much of an impact that has on your life, on your mood, on your health, everything. So the first tip I would say to everyone is try to sleep seven, eight hours a night. As rudimentary and basic as that sounds, a lot of people don't focus on that. They don't realize like they're drinking coffee late night. You know, they're going and partying with their friends. If you drink coffee or you drink alcohol, you actually don't sleep your best. Even if you get eight hours, you do not sleep your best. And people don't realize this, and they just go in this continuous cycle. Well, they'll drink coffee eight o'clock at night, go to sleep by 12, not sleep soundly, wake up, have to drink more coffee, and then go party the next night, not sleep soundly, drink more coffee. And, you know, I'm getting off topic, but basically sleep and physical fitness. If you can handle that first, then you can work on starting to set good routines and focusing on your goals. Yeah, 100%. Also, my, one of my mentors, Werner, from episode four, that's one of the things he said. And while I keep talking to him every day, he emphasizes focus, but make sure you sleep. And I started doing that. I started creating a routine around sleep. And it makes everything so much easier. Instead of fighting against it, the sleep in your body, like, it goes fluently, yep. right? And you can see it. I mean, one of the things he talks about with your, your diet, you know, if you don't get enough sleep, you will be hungrier and not only hungrier, but crave sweet things because of the hormones being released from your lack of sleep. And it leads you to be more unhealthy, yeah. or unhealthier, you know, uh, with physical fitness, you feel more ready and more uh, willing to work out if you have enough sleep. So I think that's the first thing that a lot of people can fix is getting enough sleep and being active. You can do whatever you want for exercise, but do something that you like and that you're active with. And then from there, if you have clear goals, not just goals, but systems to achieve those goals, clear goals of what you want to accomplish, set a good routine 
and go for it, you know? Yeah. And what you mentioned earlier with the book is like how to fail and still win. How do you see failure uh, in your life? It's a very, very good learning process. Going back to the injuries I mentioned, you know, I, at first I would consider those failures. Like, wow, I didn't stretch my neck enough. I focused on the problems with my lower back and forgot about my neck. Now I have a neck injury. Okay, but then I sit back and I go, okay, what can I do to prevent this in the future? You know, I've made some videos that I've spent days and days to film, days and days to edit, and so excited about thinking they're the best video I've ever made, and they fail. And I go, what does that show me? Well, that shows me that maybe I have the wrong idea of what people want. Maybe I put too much thought and too much effort into one video, and during that time I could have made three videos that do just as good or better. You know, it, I think failure is important for a lot of people. Uh, I watch a lot of UFC and fighters will tell you when they lose that undefeated mark, when they get their first loss, they needed that to realize that they're not invincible, that they do need improvement and that there are ways that they can get better. Cool, yeah. And then the last question basically is, what is your favorite quote from all the personal development you do, from all the books, or what is the the main philosophy that you you think to follow or yeah uh, I would I would like to point out the focus on yourself and as selfish as that sounds hear me out and I'm trying to think which book I got that from but it goes back I heard this when I was a kid so you can't fix your country until you fix your city you can't fix your city until you fix your neighborhood you can't fix your neighborhood until you fix your family and how are you gonna fix your family if you can't fix yourself so the point is if you are getting enough sleep, you are physically active, you are eating a good diet, and you are happy about where you are in your life, then the others close, the people around you, they will be positively affected by that, and you can work to help them with any problems they have. And then if your group, your family, your close circle is feeling good and positive, and you guys are all working together and healthy, then you can affect more people, and it goes out like that. But if you are someone who's missing sleep, in a bad mood, unhealthy, you know, doing a lot of things that aren't really good for you, you know, how are you going to tell other people how to fix problems in their life when you can't fix your own? Yeah. So focus on yourself. 100%. That's a great tip. That's really good. And I think a lot of people will also like that one. Um, last one, where can people follow you the best? All right, guys. So I know it's hard for the non-Vietnamese speakers, but basically it's Fukmap Vlog. P-H-U-C-M-A-P and vlog. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Fukma Vlog and the rest of the social media platforms as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, same name all across. Uh, check it out, guys. I have English and Vietnamese subtitles at the bottom of all my videos for everyone to enjoy. You can learn Vietnamese or learn about Vietnamese food or just the culture in general and see what life's like here through my videos. Hope to see you guys in the comment section. Yeah, we'll definitely be linked below as well. Well, thank you so much for being on. It was a great talk. Uh, happy pleasure. to finally talk to you about all of this. And um, that's number 14 in the books. Awesome. Make sure you guys tune in for the next one.